Hello, I'm John Waters, and I'm supposed to announce there is no smoking in this theater, which I think is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard of in my life. How can anyone sit through a length of a film, and especially a European film, and not have a cigarette? But don't you wish you had one right now? Mm, 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 mm. And I'm telling you, smoke anyway. It gives ushers jobs. And if people didn't smoke, there would be no employment for the youth of today. So once again, no smoking in this theater. Folks, I am the most hungover that I think I've ever been uh, in my life. I know, I know what you're thinking, like, oh, it's January, well, I don't know, when is this going to come out? January 8th, 7th, something like that. Uh, we're recording <laughs> this January January 6th. Uh, not a great start to the year. Here's the thing. My company, uh, in, I would say, an uncharacteristic fashion, had their holiday party uh, last night, the night of the 5th. Um, I know what you may be thinking. That Psych- psychopathic. Not a holiday. I'm going to Google a uh, holidays yesterday. No, Question, three kings, what holiday three kings was day it? is today, but uh, that was, oh, was yesterday on holidaycalendar.io. National Whipped Cream Day, National Bird Day, National Screenwriters Day, National Day of Dialogue, National Keto Day, and Carver Day. Carver Day, of course, celebrating, uh, you know, the, the, the peanut butter guy. Um, George Washington, George Washington Carver. Carver. How did you yeah, fucking we're, forget we're that? Yeah, thumbs down Scientist, that one, inventor, Cody. Educator. <laughs> Carver big, could mean any number of things. Not Why a big would they call it George Washington Carver? Okay, he but saved it's the Carver Day. It does George right. Washington it does Carver Day. Just a, a day to celebrate our, you know, just the the guy at the butcher shop. He's carving them up. He's he's yeah, hacking right. and uh, smacking yeah, and not slashing. a fan of those guys. Sure, that's fair. <laughs> Chopping that meat. That's right. Um yeah, so there were holidays yesterday, but yeah, the company had a holiday party. Uh, I was explaining this to Harry, but uh, uh, we got the invite, right? And it's like, hey, we're going to go to two different spots for the company party. We're going to go to this fancy kind of restaurant where we do like drinks. It said uh, heavy, heavy appetizers. Okay. And then mm. the next spot for like drinks and dancing. All right. Now, heavy appetizers. What are you thinking? Come on, uh, throw them up. What do you think? Are you house? sure it didn't say heavy petting and appetizers? Mm, it didn't. Sometimes no. you've got to read the fine print on these heavy, things. Country heavy fried, appetizers. Country fried what? steak. An entire country fried steak. Okay, Jason. Something dense you and bready. Thank you. Like flatbreads, right? That's totally. what I think. Flatbreads like, is the perfect heavy appetizer. Buffet table, little plates, you, maybe little skewers. Flatbreads. Fucking uh, little thing, crostinis, you know what I mean? Bruschetta, of course, no question. They had fucking shrimps, Uh-oh. little bits of steak on a stick, not heavy appetizers. I I have not eaten since 1130 a.m., okay? I show up to this thing. What am I doing? Old fashions. The fucking specialty cocktails at the fucking bar. I'm doing old fashions. They have some other fucking cranberry cocktail. Fine. I thought I thought okay. it was the year of the sour. Wait a minute. No. Well, so, yeah, my 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 uh, wonderful wife ordered me a sour, knowing that it is the year of the sour. I knew not to order a sour because this 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 holiday party like bar setup is not going to be able to make a good sour. You know what I mean? 
Like they're not they're not doing the egg white. Here's the they're thing: not shaking it real 95% good. Ninety five percent of mix. bars don't make good sours. That's why ah. the year of the sour is maybe arguably not a great year. Go to better bar. What do you want me to do? Like I knew not to do that. All right, all right. Uh, it, you know, Diana, like, oh, it's a year of the sour. I'll get you a sour. Of course, it's a bad sour. Not also, it's sours you know. notably terrible hangover. <laughs> Uh, coming out of those uh, maybe bad boys. The, like yeah. like in terms of like bad hangovers it's like uh like pre-mixed cocktails from the liquor store in bottles those are the worst of all time uh second is margaritas uh third is sours those are that's the that's the ranking of you you will hate yourself the next day that's the yeah Anyway, so uh, we're gonna we're gonna how see how this goes. How you feeling? How you are uh, you ready good. for this two-hour episode? No, of, uh, no. <laughs> if this ep- again, if this episode goes past twenty-seven minutes, I I'm just falling asleep. I don't know what's gonna happen. We're gonna see what happens. It's gonna be fine. We're gonna make it through. Hey, why don't you tell it? Tell the uh, our beloved audience when we're recording this episode too. Oh yeah, so um, I actually have another bit for that that you're gonna hate before here. <laughs> so, cool, cool. Uh, we are we are recording this. Uh, we usually record uh, Sunday at uh, two p.m. What I would say is too late for recording. Kind of in the middle of the day, fucks your shit up. We're we're changing that. Uh, but we are recording this today because I have a friend who uh, wants to go to a, a hockey game tomorrow. It's like the, the the big his favorite team and then the Chicago team are playing each other in Chicago here. So we're going to the hockey game uh, tomorrow. Uh, so we can't record at our usual time. So we are recording this 8 a.m. on Saturday, which uh, does exacerbate things. The other problem is that I did get a text yesterday, and uh, they're, they're, like, sold out for the hockey game, so we won't be able to do it. Um, so Man, nothing is going your way in 2024. Your holiday party came after the holiday. Yes. Your New Year's Eve party got canceled entirely. Yes. And now yeah. we're all stuck together at 8 a.m. on a Saturday. Wait. Talking about your if, shitting If you habits. were going to... Why why do we yep. have to record this at 8 a.m. if you were going to a hockey game tomorrow? Uh that's the only time it would work today. I think we I think we like chatted about it and we came to that. That was not my fault. Uh, <laughs> the recording today is my fault, but the 8 a.m. is not my fault. I will this not is, take any This is sort just of the year of the victory for, for our podcast. We're just we did a good I job last year, so we don't put it in effort this year. Is a suggestion. A dear- I think, I think 8 a.m. is a good recording time. Like this is nice. You know, I'm drinking a coffee right now. I got a coffee. Dear listener, I woke up at 7 a.m. to a text from Aaron that was like, I'm the most hungover anyone's ever been. And I could only think, like, man. And that's true, by the way. If he doesn't make this podcast, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill all of his family members. When when have I ever not made? I've always made podcasts. Just because uh, I'm still thinking about it, to be honest. But we'll see how this goes. The the listener at home might be like, oh, Aaron's the most hungover he's ever been. No, I am the I am. No one ever has been more hungover than me at this current moment. I Just went I went to see uh, the boy in the heron in English uh, a bit hungover. That was a fun experience on on New Year's Day actually. What do you think of that versus the the sub I, versus dub I quite boy liked, in the heron? I think if I watched it again Which, today by the way, I would is watch, called how do you live? But <clears throat> if I watched it again today I would watch uh the dub again. I I think it's a really fun like oh, it's really? an improvement I think. I really? I quite like both of them. Like both perfect. The dub is an improvement. You can't say I, that. I, wow. that's, I, yeah, you're racist. that's true. Uh, yeah, racist. What the fuck? So you can't say you <laughs> can't the, say the sub is the twenty twenty four five. I don't think so. Uh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. You can't say it's worse or I'm, I'm a, it could I'm a be subs guy. Well, Aaron and I, Schrodinger's Aaron and I do dub. speak Japanese. So, I yes, no, we, we took uh, like three semesters of Japanese. I do not remember a single word. Not one. I remember Mizu, which is water. Hmm. Don't remember that. 
Meshi you is food. Mizu? Nice. Nope. We're Meshi cooking is... now. No, you knew that from anime. Now... That doesn't count. <laughs> you saying that. Oh my yeah. god. Uh well it's a it's Can I do another bit? Can I can I oh, do another bit? Wow. It's I, the year of the bits. Every year since that's gonna be our three uh, hundredth episode is uh two hundred was oops all noties. Yeah. Three hundred is gonna be oops all bits. Oops all bits. Yeah. Uh here here I, I have a, a pitch that I would like to make as a maybe we could come forward as a collective, like a mass of in and 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 put it in mind, stone. Yeah. Uh, people do the thing where they they drink a lot, as I did last night, right? Uh, they drink a lot, and then the next morning they're like, "I woke up and I was I was still drunk." It's crazy. I think that shouldn't. If you get a what could be considered a full night's sleep, like three plus hours, that's just being hungover. Like I don't care if your action. I don't care don't about care the science behind it, but like, right. That's being hung. That's not still being drunk. You were drunk last night. You are hung over the next morning. That is not. You are not still drunk. You are just hung over. I mean, that is a result of being hung over. How we many extremely drunk people that. do you think have a great night's sleep? <laughs> like, like sleep uh, a I full think a night. lot of people drink a lot and then fucking like it's not quality sleep. No, of course, right. That's what I'm you know, saying. But I think. But they, you still. Uh, it's about the amount of time. It's not about the All quality. Right. All right. Then, then you're then you're you're getting too in depth. But like, if you sleep for more than three hours. When you wake up, you are not drunk anymore. I don't care how you feel. You are hungover. That is, uh, is it just because is, like, what, what's the separator? If I fell asleep and I wake up and there's a party going on, it, can it still be drunkenness? Uh, that's an interesting it's a, case. It's that's a hypothetical. Very I, it's a very hypothetical. Yeah. Because it doesn't right. sound hypothetical <laughs> with Jason. To be asked. honest, I kind of, I, I thought this up as I was walking to go get uh, breakfast tacos this morning. And I, I was thinking like, okay. But if you fall asleep and you spend like 15 minutes sleeping and then somebody wakes you up, then of course you're still drunk, right? No question. So that's why I did like the three hour, like you need a good night's sleep. Mm. That is not, I did not consider the party still raging around you. Just imagine able. 12 hours ago, Aaron having this exact same conversation with his coworkers four just hours over the deep. Worst My, my CEO just like, yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're doing exciting things this year. Um, Aaron, it's like some water. See, three hours is the, the cutoff cut. is two and a half hours. All right, it, it, yeah. any more than that, you're you're just hungover. What 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 might have done me in was I, I did order shots for a group of people, oh, including my CEO, and the shot showed up. And my CEO went, "You take my shot," and I was what like, kind of "Well, I have to do this now." That's a that's this a real is, CEO move. That's that's a, <laughs> that's, a that's a boss CEO because also it's like it's you're like, my here, CEO. Here I'm you not go, gonna not do bitch. this shot. Yeah, <laughs> bottoms what up. Were, what, what were the shots? Do you feed your CEO fireball? Tequila, tequila. Oh, all right. Oh, okay. you you didn't have him take Malort, Mister Chicago. Uh, I've done plenty of Malort. Don't that's like water Harry, down don't, there. Don't do that. I've I've had my coworkers pl- take plenty of Malort shots. Don't sorry, dare. Sorry, Cody. Don't you dare it's, try and for Harry. Him. It's it's like Mizu down there. Um. Malort. Thank you, Jason. Oh, I didn't understand yeah. what he was oh, trying Jesus, to tell me. Uh, Cody-san. <laughs> <laughs> you got me all flustered. Oh, my God. New year, uh, new episode. But will the movie be as fresh as the episode? We'll find out here on Try Love. It's a literal roundtable podcast. That might have been our longest cold open, our longest vamping. And given the amount of, amount of vamping. You say that every day, I, every episode, right? We set new records every single time. Um, given the amount of vamping we actually did, I don't know how that bodes for the movie because we all kind of have an expectation of a time crunch this morning. So we'll see how it pans out. Uh, it's a literal roundtable podcast where we talk about movies we saw, our people we met at the Trial and Cinema in Minneapolis, Minnesota. You can find us on Twitter at Trial of Podcast. Find the Trial on at Trial on Cinema and at trialon.org. That's where you can get tickets and merch and memberships and all the other cool stuff that the offer that the trial on offers 
My name is Jason Daphnis. Sure is nice to hear you guys' voice, even if it's recorded. <laughs> and you can find me on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Shh, I'm supposed to be a secret. I'm Cody Narvison, and you can find me on Blue Sky at Cody Narvison. What do you think these girls are doing under this blanket? I'm Harry Mack, and you can find me at, on Twitter at PunishTake. Uh, my name is Aaron, and when I say My Life a Movie, I'm talking about the Zapruder film. You uh, you can't find me. any. I'm off. I'm taking a Twitter break. Sorry, folks. You can't find me on social media. Bye. I give it a week. Um, but thank you so much for warning uh, all of our... Uh, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense now, because that incredible bit about whether you're hungover or drunk sounded like a real life tweet thread. Oh to me. man. Yes. We're gonna so, so many if I up. had Twitter, <laughs> this would have been a one minute intro. Yeah. It would have been Here yeah. the 30 minute intros <laughs> then. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I simply like vent my thoughts each week, every podcast. I, I do want to start. It's going to be a combo apologia corner and John's pickies. Uh, John doesn't get in, get to share his John Moret film programmer at the trial and doesn't get to share his uh, favorite movies of every year in a very public forum. So he's, sent us an email following our berries. He actually listened to at least part of it uh, to share that his favorite movie was The Cranes Are Flying. Best the movie was The Cremator. Best series was Hideo Gosha. Best screening was Heartbreak Kid on 16mm or Seven Grandmasters on 35. Uh, And he wanted to correct a few things about how we uh, tabulated the cult film collective um, and notate that the uh, 16mm showings from 2023 were comprehensively the Heartbreak Kid, The Incredible Shrinking Man, can't believe I forgot that one, Dead of Night, a.k.a. Death Dream, and Learny Tunes, a collection of educational animation shorts that played at the trial on. So just to be fair, I think that we didn't remember The Incredible Shrinking Man because they played it before and we all went to that showing. So Indeed. none of us went to this. One. I actually in in to saying that I completely forgot that there were actually two screenings because, yeah, that's how it works being at the trial on sometimes. Uh, but yeah. All good programming. Check it out at trilon.org. Uh, I have to toss to my co-host. Actually, no, I should give. I actually have the, the the film programming schedule in my hand right now. Today's film plays as part of a non-series uh, series at the Trilon, kicking off 2024. Um, check out the whole schedule at trilon.org. I won't get that wrong again for another episode. I'm going to keep getting my paper magazines in the mail from the Trilon as part of the Trilon Cinema uh, Club. Check it out at trilon.org. Aaron has to give me his uh, patented Aaron Grossman summary to kick off the year. Um, do you have it in you, big fella? Yes, indeed, folks. Okay, good to hear. <laughs> this is a this is a cult film collective screening, correct? Yes, I'm sorry. When I said non-series, Nobody I mean knows. like okay. it wasn't curated as like part of a Cody's larger giving the thumbs yeah. up. Right. So if we're remembering for the berries, this folks counts as a cult film collective screening. We are talking about Winter Kills, 1979 film, a uh, satirical thriller directed by William Reichert, largely based on and uh, uh, satirizing uh, the conspiracy theories around the death of John F. Kennedy. The film follows Nick Keegan, the half-brother to the ex-president of the United States, Timothy Keegan, who was assassinated 19 years prior to the start of the film. Uh, Nick is working on an oil tanker for some reason, I guess, uh, when a helicopter lands carrying uh, a man named Arthur Fletcher who confesses to being uh, one of a uh, two-man team hired to assassinate President Keegan years ago. From there, Nick goes further and further down a rabbit hole of conspiracies and misdirections in an attempt to find the truth. Uh, The film has a, I would say, relatively 
weirdly star star stud cast actually uh kind of watching the credits of this is just like a big yeah boy moments like one after the other uh jeff bridges of course as nick keegan john houston as pa keegan uh belinda bauer as yvette malone uh anthony perkins shows up as john Sarudi, and uh toshiro mifune shows up as keith the funniest just keith? fucking cameo <laughs> just fucking keith yeah very weird um yeah, that's what I got. That's what you got. And Elizabeth the, Taylor and an uncredited Taylor, cameo. As a, yes, yeah. as just a cameo, she just like pops up out of nowhere. Um, um and yeah. sort of its absurdity has like I feel like in the grand appraisal of this movie, I saw this movie for the first time a couple of years ago, I think, at the recommendation of a friend of the pod, Matt Helgeson. He trolled around Amazon Prime video a couple of years ago, just finding the weirdest shit he could between Wake and Fright and this. Those are the recommendations that made its way to me. Uh, and so I have I was prepared for this this time around, but it seems like generally, especially for folks who haven't seen it, you either fall into one of two camps on this movie. If it's, you know, sort of a biting satire parody of uh, paranoia thrillers and sort of the, the dawning of them in the seventies, uh, or it's like sort of misguided jumbled kind of like nothing hits nearly garbage we'll say i don't know how like because we haven't rated the movie on letterboxd i don't know how y'all felt about it but um harry do you want to give me your top like if you fall in one of those camps which do you fall into garbo uh um if i'm if it's a binary and i'm choosing between those two camps i would go with the 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 first uh the former um i found this movie very funny i found it uh really fun to watch um i'm a huge anthony perkins stan um i'm pretty sure that's 90 percent of the reason why kelly came to see it with me so um watching all of the character actors interact with some of the biggest characters our biggest movie stars of the 70s was a, a real blast there are a lot of great set piece moments um it, it felt like every scene, it it kind of reminded me a lot of like a Raymond Chandler thing where Raymond Chandler's whole thing was like, the plot doesn't matter. I just wanted to get these characters in rooms together. And um, I think that this movie has like five or six scenes that are great for that, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think just like, like Nick just talking to the mob, right, is a fantastic My scene. Um, every Anthony Perkins scene is really good. Um, the when When Nick is talking to the guy who's doing tank, recreations you know i just like i think that like procedurally i think that like it's the journey not the destination with this movie that makes it what it is and i like it for that um that being said i'm sympathetic um i didn't love this movie because i think the satire is uh pretty a pretty soft target and also pretty garbled uh and i think that um the movie makes these weird mistakes where it it aims for earnestness at different times. And every time it aims for uh, serious um, dramatic tension and, or um, sort of like earnest sympathy for the characters, it falls kind of completely flat for me. Um, I kind of would have preferred it if it had been a little bit more um, strong in its convictions. Like I, I would love to see somebody like the Coen brothers remake this, like in the style of something like burn after reading. Um, that being said, um, I, I don't know. I think it's a lot of fun to watch. Um, if if you aren't aware of this, there's a 34-minute documentary about the making of this movie called Who Killed Winter Kills um, that is basically about how this movie had the most insane production, maybe of all time. Um, the two uh, producers were drug dealers, one of whom was murdered shortly after this movie was made. Before it came out, uh, the other one was sentenced to jail for uh, 40 years. Um, and would often pay their actors and other members of the cast with 
money that was literally taken from strippers, as in like the actors would come into their trailers and take it out of strippers' thongs uh, in the form of payment. Um, so that does color my perception of this movie. And to be honest, it colors it kind of favorably. I kind of love the idea that like this insane misfit group made this very, very thinly veiled satire of the Kennedy family uh, in the 1970s and put it out. We're just like, hey, this is our movie. And they got some of the biggest movie stars who ever lived to star in it. Um, doesn't really feel like a movie that could have been made, but somehow it was. And uh, you kind of got to root for it uh, from that perspective, right? Even if I I do think that um, it is a little bit of a mess uh, structurally and thematically. What do you think, Aaron? I think you brought up a lot of good points. Uh, I, I I knew about the two gangsters financing the film or like helping to finance it. I did not know about the the strippers thongs bit. Uh, that is very good. Um, you know, I was I was about to say that I, I I didn't enjoy this movie very much, but now I enjoy this movie a lot. Yeah. So thank you, Harry. Also, sometimes you know we talk about a movie on the pod and we come away. Yeah. Uh, if it helps, like you'll notice that this better. movie is shot in like a bunch of different real cities, which is crazy. Like kind of especially for a Chicago. Indie movie. Yeah, uh, it turns yes. out that that's because they weren't paying union fees, and so they <laughs> kept getting kicked out of the cities that they were filming in. So they had to keep going to different cities to film until the unions caught up with them. And then they had to skedaddle to another shooting location. A very like William Friedkin kind of movie shoot in a weird way. Like, yeah, we just didn't apply for those permits. That's that's not a thing that I have to do. Uh, uh, I will say um, I if if Harry kind of fell into the former camp, I think I was mostly in the latter camp. I don't I don't uh, I watched this just on my couch. Um, I did not terribly enjoy this film, although it is such a weird, like curiosity that I think that you kind of, kind of can't hate it per se. Um, I will say, I think that watching this in the theater probably would have helped immensely. So I think so too. Shout out yeah. to the Trilon folks. Um, I, you know, I will say that I, the, so the Trilon has two, uh, blogs about this on their film blog, uh, Parasphere. Go check it out. If you haven't, uh, they, Winter Kills, if you're not paranoid, you're not paying attention, and Slapstick for Paranoids, um, the latter of which I think, uh, you know, Harry, you mentioned like kind of, you know, noir novels, uh, mystery novels, Raymond Chandler and whatnot. Um, I I think that the the author, uh, sorry for mispronouncing, Cole uh, Seidel, uh, Seidel maybe, um, of the, the latter article that I just mentioned kind of uh, compared this to Thomas Pynchon, um, who I think... Uh, Pynchon is, and Delillo, is, uh, I thought of a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Uh, this is kind of like a bad pension novel yeah. in a weird yeah. way. Um, <laughs> the, the, the article mentions gravity's rainbow a lot. Cause uh, you know, when you mentioned uh pension, you mentioned gravity's rainbow a lot. Um, it doesn't mention crying of lot 49, which I think is kind of the closer comparison in my mind uh, for this film. Um, I purposefully didn't bring that up because it would make me hate this movie a little bit. Cause I like crying right. of lot 49 a whole lot. Great and- book. Yeah, this is <laughs> comparing not it to as this good. is not, yeah, yep. Uh, but it, it's kind of doing the same thing, right? It's doing like a 60s, uh, this is not technically 60s, but it is, It is you know, reflecting on uh, the 60s as a cultural moment, you know, almost 20 years later. Um, it, it is kind of thinking about kind of the, the various conspiracies around the JFK assassination and how, you know, that kind of moment in time was transformed with, uh, you know, the sudden death of this kind of, popular populist uh, in a certain way president. Um, I think there are 
moments in this film where that's kind of interesting, but it feels like way too scattered. Um, this is, uh, I didn't mention it in my summary, uh, maybe um, very stupid, but this is based off of a book. I think that maybe this is the kind of thing that does work better as a book. Um, I think that you can, I didn't watch the documentary that Harry mentioned. A lot of people uh, that I've, I've kind of read have said that it's very good and you should watch the documentary. So I'll maybe do that. I think this is like a movie that like you can kind of see it being adapted from a book and not in a very good manner in my mind. Um, but it's like so weird as like a finished product that I can't hate it. I don't, I don't like it, but I don't hate it. And I, I think it's like, maybe growing on me uh, as I think about it, just because it is like, I don't know if I've ever seen a movie like this in a weird way. Um, but yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm rambling. What did, what did somebody else think? No, I don't think you're rambling. Um, I think it's important. We talk about this, uh, the the film of the year, um, at least so far, uh, it's first movie of the year. Dear, Our dear most listeners. Listeners. I mean, the best episode. movie we've discussed this yeah. year, this right now, yeah. this is the best picture winner at the golden berries. I mean, the king the of the same- Cylon extremely dumb joke to harry and kelly as we were leaving the trilon last night um yeah i think uh going back to to the binary that that jason set up i think i align more with the the first camp uh and i reiterating uh reaffirming something aaron said i do think that this does play particularly well in a theater and maybe that helped um i don't know in my sort of interpretation of, of of certain things it is that sort of, and it could just be, you know, us and our mileage with these sorts of movies up to this point, there is a sort of like inevitable feeling to it. And it does, I think bank on, and I think Harry was talking about this as well, bank on your appreciation of like the journey to get there and the sort of beats along the way. And I, is something I was, I got thinking about after the fact is that the, I, the, there's, I don't know, the dream logic is, is an idea that I kind of hit on some of these scenes play out like in, in just the the weirdest sort of way to like make you like question your reality but because um the keegan family you know nick Nick keegan in particular is has been numbed by like this tragedy with his half brother and he's also in a weird way numbed by this like extreme like this casual extreme wealth so he like he's able to just uh, uh, this is at least like my kind of characterizing it, uh, of it in retrospect he's able to just kind of float through these things and that somehow makes everything go down um a lot more smoothly uh i think what harry was talking about with the like the this movie kind of aims for sympathy um where i ended up coming around to was because we're we're floating through this and like the 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 threads the the aims of each scene are just like just jarring enough um, I, I came to comfortably not like care to like, there's a certain disposability, especially after everybody starts dying. Um, and Nick Keegan clearly doesn't, um, like care, or he's maybe, um, like naively foolhardy in the face of all this stuff. Um, I, I just, I don't know. I, I came to be pretty settled in. Um, and yeah, I don't, I don't know all that sort of stuff just through his, and I guess, you know, we'll, we'll probably continue to praise him in a number of the other performances. Um, But it it balances uh, or rather it balanced uh, this like extreme deadpan, um, you know, attempt at satire with uh, extreme earnestness in a way that really um, captivated me. And uh, yeah, I I don't know if I love this movie, but I did quite enjoy my time with it. I really liked it. I could see myself revisiting it 
but it's it's a tough movie to characterize. I'm still trying to find the words. I didn't really have the words last night after watching either, and I was overhearing people um, kind of talking with their friends, just like, yeah, I'm still digesting this. It's it's a, an odd curio to try and make sense of, um, but especially for the person here who has seen it multiple times, Jason, uh, I think your your viewpoint. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm interested to hear more from you about how like our conversation up to this point, maybe your second viewing has has continued to like. I don't know, color certain things in a little bit more for you. What do you think? A little bit. Uh, we've, it does bear rewatching. I would recommend it. Maybe not immediately because yeah, it is kind of a lot to uh, a big ball to bite, so to speak. Um, but we've used terms like, uh, like Aaron called it scattered. Harry said that when it aims for earnestness, it kind of like falls flat. And there are times that it does that, that it tries to be like, be serious about its drama. And then it jumps to another comedic, you know, obviously comedic play. <clears throat> I think like that, straddling that line is exactly <clears throat> pardon me why i enjoy this movie so much and i gave it i think three and a half on letterbox back before ratings really mattered as part of our discussion i think i would probably bump it up at this point if i were uh, when i and eventually give it a rating as part of this i think like honestly it is it's at times intolerable and really just we can just call it stupid at times because it i don't think it really is like achieving the sort of nirvana of we're serious but we're goofy at the same time but when it touches that it really like it gives me something that i don't think like aaron was saying i've ever seen in a movie before i think like the pieces and parts of this movie the fact that like consider that most scenes that are supposed to be comedic are not really shot or edited such that they are like explicitly comedic. The closest it comes is that scene that Harry was talking about the mobster scene where like we see a few people in the entryway and it's all super Italian looking guys with mustaches and black coats and black hats. And then we move to another room and it's more Italian guys with mustaches, black coats and they're black hats. They're just like in it's corners so, and like up on the stairs. Like vampires. And, like, they're fucking everywhere. It's so yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. Uh, right. But is it like the, the thing I struggle with is like, is that a good bit I, or is th- that just like slightly incompetent? Yeah, well, I don't no, know. I, I think it's hilarious. So, I think, I think, I think right, it is. But like I think not it's that, intent- but there are so many moments like that in this movie yes. that are like once, once you're like, once you've sort of the aim here, yeah, once you've sort of like accepted that it's not peanut butter or jelly, but this weird jammy peanutty mix, like you start to recognize that, oh, that's got, that actually is a distinct flavor of this movie. And that's why I'm saying like, I would recommend rewatching it again sometime because you're sort of primed for it in that case, like that scene in specific, I think it has like, if you look like, and because I was watching it for the second time here, I, I paid more attention to like the editing and the, and the, and the dialogue and the, rather than trying to like uh, figure out what's actually going on in the plot of the movie, because it reveals that like, there's very little like mechanical uh presentation of comedy in this movie like when it does happen it's because something ridiculous happens it's because jeff bridges goes out to the desert shirtless and screams you stink pa you stink for no like seemingly no like i mean clearly aimed at his father but like apropos of nothing riding horseback into the desert uh and and this and this uh, italian uh, mobster scene like just the ridiculous shit that happens is is i thought i had fallen asleep i literally thought i had fallen asleep and missed a scene (laughs) in between the horseback riding scene and the scene before it i was like surely i missed some sort of context for why this is happening i did not it's no no, it's just it it, it really does just happen and just like so many things happen and i think there's like if you wanted to go a little bit deeper you could find like buried in there a uh like the the critique of the growing trend of political thrillers and of course the whole kennedy thing um but i don't even like if i go that deep i assign it a little bit too much heft and weight and mission and virtue and purpose i think it is just like this concept is funny that everybody seems to be obsessed with these like highly intricate political thrillers that ultimately lead like kind of nowhere and leave the conclusions in your lap 
So we're just going to have fun with it. Like Harry was saying, kind of scenes happen sort of thing. And if you take it like that, if you're like, if you watch it with that lens, I think it does become close to a masterpiece of its own right. I think it's very, very good at what it does. Uh, there's a, like, I, I do at some point want to talk about Nick in particular, but I think through the editing, through like the fact that no musical cues indicate comedy almost ever. It's almost always like a very serious, dramatic, thrilling, uh, you know, heart pounding theme that comes in when something serious happens or nothing at all. Um, the, you know, the way that each character is played, everybody's kind of playing to their, to the comedic extent of that character. Uh, Cody was talking about how, uh, Nick floats through most scenes and it is because like he is the, uh, we'll, we'll touch on this later, but he's like the one person least suited to track down this conspiracy. And yet he's the only one actually doing it. And everybody along the way is just leading him even to the next person who's just leading him. It, I'm not explaining anything new about the movie, but just these pieces and parts I did not get the first time I watched it. And I was still sort of like entertained by its goofiness this time around. I think, I think I got it in, in, in a lot of ways that would have passed me the first time. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Nick. I don't necessarily agree. I don't think I, it works as well for me as, as you're describing, but I am sympathetic and I like that reading. Um, I really liked Cody describing Nick as floating through life. Um, that's maybe my favorite thing about this movie in the, in the part of the movie that feels sort of legitimately ahead of its time, especially like, or both of its time and ahead of its time in that, like it's deeply about the Kennedys, obviously and about sort of like celebrity um, industrialists turned politicians, but it also like prefigures Reagan. It prefigures Trump in a lot of ways. And that's just that like, the surreal frictionlessness of being an absurdly wealthy person and how that totally insulates your life from any sort of reality that exists. Um, I mean, I think my favorite scene in the movie is probably the one where um, little Jeff Bridges, who's basically in this movie playing the dude, if the dude was the son of a billionaire, right? Like literally that character. Um, and he's, he's horseback riding, wearing just like, like board shorts and like, a robe, a big flowing robe. And like, they're playing music that makes him sound like he's fucking Lawrence of Arabia. And he's like, is, he's just, it is a Maurice Jarre joint to be clear. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally and, and galloping through death Valley because that was one of their 7 million shooting locations. And uh, apparently on his father's estate. And then he gets far enough away from his father's estate that he's sure nobody can hear him. And that's when he goes, you stink pa. And it's like, I feel like the the meaning and the um, conclusion of this movie are written in the stars from that moment. Like if if I knew ten minutes in, like spoilers, I guess if you haven't watched this movie, but like that that Nick was ultimately going to begrudgingly inherit his father's estate, and the wheels were going to keep turning, and Nick was going to learn that he is a powerless puppet in the machinations of the rich and powerful, and that even being rich and powerful does not necessarily give you control over the machine that's grinding you to dust, just like it's grinding everybody else to dust, right? Like, it turns out that, like, like the the wealth and power of the United States is so self-sustaining at this point that we can have these heads of state, Nick, who has more power than any U.S. president has ever had and doesn't even realize it because it doesn't fucking matter if he realizes it or not, right? It's like Nick thinks he's his own person. He thinks he can be his own person. Uh, and this movie demonstrates how that is completely insolvent with being as wealthy as he is, right? Like there's the whole sort of would-be tragic love story that happens here, which is Nick trying to like grasp at his own 
uh, self-determination, his own identity, just like he's trying to solve the mystery for himself, kind of to prove to his dad and to himself that he can do something. It turns out there is no mystery, right? Everybody is working for his dad. Even his would-be love interest is working for his dad. Uh, this was all set up for unclear reasons. This was a uh, subject of controversy with with um, with us after the movie. Um, I think if I squint, I can see this movie as sort of an initiation ritual of some kind, where like his dad set all of this in motion so that uh, Nick would finally understand the way the world works and then begrudgingly take over his company and sort of return as the prodigal son. Um, I don't know if the movie intended that or not. I don't actually really know why his dad set him on this garden path in the first place. I don't know that the movie really cares about that. I think mostly the idea is that like what I like and I guess what I like about this movie is that it's saying something that I think is patently true about American history, which is that the conspiracies are stupid. And they're obvious and it doesn't matter because the people who are in control have so much money and so much power and so much influence that it doesn't fucking matter that they're all morons. <laughs> it doesn't fucking matter that that there's there's no greater plot happening here, right? That there are no masterminds, that there's no fucking um, – Anthony Perkins behind the wheel controlling everything. You know, it, it's it's and it's an absurd irony, right? The idea that like in the at the end of the day, the most powerful, most evil people in the world are also John Houston in this movie, which is to say, like rabid, horny, stupid old men who are so enamored with their own prestige and the idea of themselves that they have completely departed from the world of reality. Right. Like here he's talking about like like good old fashioned American values and being a pioneer and being a frontiersman. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about, you billionaire? It's like you've never been any of those things. Right. It's like Teddy Roosevelt where but and and I, I think that's my favorite part of this movie, because well, obvious and well, a little bit of a soft target, like I said, I think it's kind of a trenchant. Uh, point to make about America and about American politics and about just sort of like how the gulf between who we think we are and who we have always been is so wide and it makes us all look like real dipshits, right? And like, I think that that ultimately the main character in this movie, Nick, uh, is a stand-in for us and he's a complete fucking dipshit, Right. And that's just, it, it's like the movie is hitting you upside the head and being like, would you wake up and like stop trying to like, like think you're smarter than all of this? Even this isn't smarter than all of this. Like it turns out that America has always been this sort of like ridiculous cash grab, uh, like get away with what you can get away with and just don't get caught like uh, Ponzi scheme or just uh, grift. And uh to, to try to th or to make yourself believe it's anything else is to fool yourself and into doing its work for it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that there's a, there's a lot there, especially in 1979, especially uh, when referring to the Kennedys, right? Like I, I think it's not for nothing, right. That like fucking Gene Siskel, uh, American Patriot Gene Siskel, apparently when this movie came out, gave it one star because he it's said so it, funny, dude, he said it it's quote, so good. raped the memory of JFK. And it's like, oh, buddy, like, will you fucking wake up? Maybe I wonder. Isn't <laughs> it's that so like, funny? Just being so precious about JFK that you're <laughs> about, like offended about at the this fucking movie. Kennedys. 
Right, the I movie mean, where the, the Houston wears a big speedo and like sits in a bed and gets jacked or, and, off and, by his nurses. And if if anything, right, like John Houston underplays Joseph Kennedy Senior in this movie, right? It's like that guy was a fucking monster. Like it's it's so funny that that like. And, and so it's like, hey, maybe this is the movie America needed when it came out because fucking precious Gene Siskel is saying it raped the memory of JFK. JFK, the fucking billionaire son. It's like, all what right, if, bud. What if Siskel was in on the bit? What if he was like, I'm going to continue what the movie's doing in, in real life? That's, that's, that's wishful thinking. I don't thinking. think Siskel was ever in He's on not a that bit. Hip. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> that's a great Ebert point. was in on a bit from time to time, Siskel. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Um, I wonder if he was in on a bit when he said that, was it Redbeard that he called the best? Kurosawa? I forget who. Uh, that was me. That was, and that I was Aaron. Oh, I yes, often that was and, Chicago and, movie critics. And yeah. Buddy, also, I, and buddy I do, Aaron was not in on that bit. I can tell you that. Because it's not a bit, because it's true. Also, as a, a proud Chicagoan, uh, the, the I don't know, second or third best theater in town is the Siskel Film Center. I must defend that man's honor uh, against all attackers, despite him having some of the most dog shit takes. <laughs> it's a pretty time. dog shit take. Um, right. We've sort of landed on the conversation that I'd hoped we get to about character and about like the, uh, the various ways that it like heightens these, these people, these figures. Um, and it like Harry, the way you were uh, portraying and characterizing, so to speak, um, is that like, it is sort of this knock you over the head, show you, show the mirror, you know, point the mirror at the audience kind of thing, especially for 1979. Um, I think that's like well said, obviously true. I think, I think the, the friction comes for folks and in, including me, the first and parts of the second time I watched this movie, uh, are, is like, is it, is it effectively doing that? Is it like, is it, is it good and interesting and like trenchant as you say, or is it just annoying? And I, I see a reaction already on, on, on screen from Aaron about like, is it just an annoying, like churlishness it, yeah. that, that builds these characters for me? It was like, oh, we've heightened these to absurdity and that works, but I definitely see how like, that just becomes annoying and like cheeky mate type annoying, uh, you know, character portrayal. Um, so sell me on that, Aaron. Do you know, I'm, I, I hate to fucking do this. Do you know what this reminded me of? Maybe, maybe no one else had this reaction, but you know what? Like the Cody, get ready to turn your screen off. Uh, do you know what this reminded me of? Like while watching this, Grand Theft Auto. this reminded me of like, no, some of the worst moments from the metal gear solid series. In oh which, yeah. Like, uh, Ko- Kojima's like uh, uh, need to like you know kind of take from like action thrillers, political thrillers, a lot of like Western like action and and kind of you know seventies eighties uh, uh, films and whatnot. Um, kind of just like in like the worst manner, like retain some of its like political aspects. But there's like there's like a very weird uh, uh, bit in Metal Gear Solid Two where it turns out the bad guy is also the, correct me if I'm wrong here, Harry, uh, the, the president of the United States. He is, he is cur- the current sitting president of the United States. The current States, sitting yes. president, and it's mentioned you fight, like You fight him maybe with a katana. Once, right, and, and it's it's mentioned like once, and then it's like never brought up again. Uh, I don't shit, think intentionally, right? Shit rocks, it's, dude. Shit right, rocks. It's like, he's the president because like, of, well, I guess why not, right? Like there, there's there's moments in this film that are like, um, I, I want to say like uh, intentional or whatever, but, but also feel so weirdly out of place. Like the, 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 the aspect of this film where like, this is the prior president's what, like a like stepbrother, right. Uh, who is half, half working brother. on a half brother, yes, which, which who is working mind, on an oil tanker yeah. at the beginning of the film. 
for some reason, which like uh, presumably made sense. Well, in the he's, book, the, right? he's the wayward son, yeah. man. He's the black sheep. He he doesn't want to be a part the, of the, 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 the thing. This film misses is that like starting with the Kennedys, there were not wayward sons. You know what I mean? That's true. Like all the Bidens have positions doing consulting work for Saudi Arabia. Uh, or something. Do you know what I mean? I, Biden may be a weird one to bring up with no wayward sons. No, <laughs> Maybe he, not he has wayward sons, example. but his wayward sons are not doing fucking I, grunt work. I did Do you know what I mean? It was very funny that the, in the first scene of this movie, I was like, wait, is Jeff, is Jeff Bridges supposed to be Bobby Kennedy? <laughs> and it was like, right. no, the answer is no, he's not. <laughs> there, there's yeah, Maybe I'm I'm not some sort of uh, JFK uh, nut. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not, never been into all the conspiracy theories. Uh, I'm not like as familiar with like that family and the dynasty as a lot of people. Um, but like my understanding is like, is there is not like a exact one-to-one uh, uh, kind of, you know, real life uh, matchup for, for Jeff Bridges character. Right. And like the thing that like feels so weird is like, there is not a Kennedy who is working on an oil tanker or like a ship or anything like that. Right. All of those people have consulting gigs. They have cushy jobs. They have, like, yes, they are wayward. Obviously, fucking Biden's, you know, uh, son is, is off doing, you know, coke with strippers and whatnot. But, like, Being they based. still are integrated into the system in a way. And, like, that is not true of Jeff Bridges in a way that feels I, so I, weird to I, me. Yeah. Especially because that, like, started with the Kennedys mm. in it's a weird like, way. It's like a false premise, right? It's, it it's makes like, no sense to there's me. There's this it's, idea it's that, like... like Right, especially because his character arc is all about returning to the fold, and you know that from the very first scene of the movie, right? That like inevitably the wayward son is going to come home and realize that he has no option, he has no identity of his own except to return to the fold, and it's just like, well, yeah, but like we've been new, you know what I mean? I I think I I think I mostly yeah. agree with that. The other thing that that it gets to me about it is that like so much of this movie is just cynical and not smart. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and like that, that sort of like pissed me off too a little bit, especially like the humor. It's just sort of like, it reminds me of like the worst sort of like the, the sort of jokes that are just like mean spirited and cynical. And they think that being mean spirited and cynical is like de facto intelligent, right? It's like, well, because I feel this way, because I sort of have this warped worldview, I must be smart. And like, I think at its worst, this movie feels that way to me. Uh, luckily, I don't think it feels that way very much because I think it's it's having too much fun uh, and being too, in my mind, funny to to get there. Which means I can sort of dismiss some of the um, the soft targets and some of the false premises just because, like, I think it's going somewhere um, that is a little bit more cockeyed than than played straight, um, and that that makes that sit differently for me. But I don't know. How do you guys feel can about I- that? I was I was gonna say, can I ask? Did you see this in the theater? Were you able to see this? The I trial? did. Yeah, and it, it what definitely. Was the- contributed it, like was it funny like i i oh, i dude, found this it was film like humorous laughs. but maybe not yeah. funny you no know it, was I mean? get, it was getting real laughs really? especially all the john houston scenes i mean they're fucking amazing at one point he talks about how he's going to amherst to get his six month uh blood transfusion from orphan kids uh so that he can stay alive longer and i mean like all that stuff a joke just... that comes off quite well in 2024 yes, like that it turns that out joke that's what I'm saying is that like this, this movie is so like of its time in, in so many ways, but there are also some ways that it, it is like really prescient in very funny ways. Just in that, like it turns out that you can't portray the American wealthy elite as stupid enough or self-serving enough or just sort of like up their own asses and it's disconnected from reality enough 
because no matter how you try to do that, you'll be beaten by reality, right? Because fucking Donald Trump will come along or something. And it's just like, oh shit. Like it turns out that this movie actually did have something quite trenchant to say about who actually runs the world. And it, it turns out it's fucking assholes and morons. <laughs> yeah. It's like the ceiling against which this movie is playing. If it's playing with like, oh, real life events that inspired a genre of fiction, the ceiling that it's playing against there, like it's never going to be able to exceed. Like you're saying, you cannot like cast somebody and have them act or do things that are ridiculous enough to like outpace reality, like stranger than fiction kind of thing. I think that is like the crux of why this works for me and the specific leveraging of Nick as a character. Yes, it's ridiculous. And it doesn't really line with like how these stories tend to play out in real life. I mean, in real life, Nick Keegan would be some kind of a congressman. He'd be like already in the machine because it's got to be a story where we have a le- some kind of lens he's an outcast. He's the fail son. He's the one working on an oil rig while like, you know, his father is running the country through industry. Uh, but I think that like, I think in in a weird way, the movie real, like the, the, I don't know if the original novel focused on this, but I think in a weird way, the movie recognizes that and knows like, well, he is the outcast. He is a lens. He's going to be like the least effective, most stupid gullible lens we possibly can have to where I think almost he's a real Mr. Jones in this movie. <laughs> almost, he just does not know what's happening. Almost every single scene is is him getting some kind of lore dump, some sort of info that ultimately ends up meaning nothing because it's all be, him being pulled around by the nose that ends with somebody asking him where he's going. And he says, I'm going to go find out for myself something that you just told me. Like literally every single scene, he is the most laughable. You can time it. The most laughable, like the end of every conversation is I'm going to go find, you know, Ilsa, I forget his, his girlfriend's name. Um, I'm going to go, you know, find Yvette, Yvette, sorry. Uh, I'm going to go find Saruti. I'm going to go get, you know, information from pa. I'm going to go find like literally just being led around by the nose for everything. And I think that is like, again, to Harry's point, a little bit of an implication of the audience saying like, this is sort of the, the twisted paths you follow, the sort of mental gymnastics you must go through. And sort of you see still you see yourself as some kind of a crusader, despite being the person least in the loop and the most at danger and the least careful about it entirely. Like very little reason. What like, Considering the character's like arc, he knows that his brother was a victim of a vast conspiracy to overthrow the president and to whatever. And at the end of the movie, he realizes that his brother was the target of a vast conspiracy to overthrow the president, to murder the sitting president and to, you know, replace him with uh, whatever, you know, like he, his beginning and ending points are pretty much the exact same. Uh, he has only like he's moved into sort of like the family fold. His situation is certainly worse. His moral arc, if there was one, is definitely on a downswing. Uh, I think just like in that getting there, like the structures of the scenes being like not entirely or visibly comedic the dialogue always forwarding like the most ridiculous elements uh, aaron you brought up the fact that john houston is wearing a like a, a flashing red nut sling through one of the most important plot points of the movie where he's explaining what happened to his brother and it's also asking you to focus on this incredibly intricate story that he's sharing while he's got his leg up and just kind of like showing his balls to the entire screen i, I like that in those moments, I remember, oh, yeah, this movie's great. This movie is fantastic. In the interim scenes where we're like transitioning from thing to thing that feels completely, defu- or excuse me, uh, perfunctory, those moments don't end up mattering to me as much in the experience of the movie because I know that it's headed toward another scene where like 
for some reason he's being chased by tanks in somebody's private uh property and he's just like he shouldn't be here he should never have come here this is pointless he's being led around i i don't know sort of like knowing where the conclusion knowing where it ends up uh really did like make the movie sing a little bit more for me knowing that like it's not building to anything important it's not building to anything quite that serious we can let go of some of the pretense a little bit uh did like i i, I that only came settled in for me the second watch through. So I empathize with, you know, if, if it didn't see it or if it didn't land or if it's just not your bag, I get it. I think it is there. Uh, but it's just like whether or not you're down for that shit. That's why I put up the binary in the first place. It's like, is it garbage or is it like biting satire? It doesn't seem like people are able to think on the fence about this movie very often. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that you're right in that. I think that this is aiming at something. I think ultimately what this movie is positing in a, in a way that I actually find pretty trenchant is that the conspiracy itself is sort of, um, in, uh, a security blanket, mm. right? Like I, cause, cause from my point of view, there's no mystery here, right? Like, I think, you know, that John Houston did it the second he shows up on screen, if not before, <laughs> yeah. right? Because you just know the structure of these things. Right. Um, and because you've seen one of these movies before. And honestly, I think the movie wants you to think basically Nick knows that somewhere. Right. Or like if he doesn't know, he really is that much of a dipshit. But the idea is that like we need these elaborate, like ridiculous conspiracy theories to walk ourselves in circles, basically just to like try to convince us that what's happening in front of our eyes isn't happening. Right. Which is that a few very wealthy people control the world uh, and they're doing it for their own profit. And they have absolutely no greater intentions. They have no designs on the future except to make more money. They don't care about you and you're playing their game right now, right? It's like that is a reality that is so horrifying and uh, simple in its savagery, in its brutality, that we want to construct these scenarios, right? Instead, we want to say JFK was killed because he was actually sympathetic to Castro's Cuba. And so the CIA had to off him because we strategically couldn't allow um, the communists to be that close to the motherland. Right. Uh, which is by the way, wild that all of a sudden at the last minute, Cuba becomes a real actual thing in this movie. And they actually like make reference to the actual conspiracy theory behind the JFK assassination, where it's like John Houston's like, Oh yeah, I, uh, I wanted to reopen the casinos in, Cuba, like I'm fucking um, Godfather two, um, but my son all of a sudden had actual political aims, and so he had to be gone. And right, I mean, like that's that's a perfect sort of um, metaphor for the movie as a whole, right? Is that just like Nick? It turns out that the JFK stand-in started to actually take his job seriously, right? He started to be like, "Hey, wait a minute! Like I am the president." Like I'm talking to uh, Khrushchev is brought up and like I'm I'm sitting here as the leader of the free world, quote unquote. Like, what if I actually started acting like it? And the answer is he gets offed by his own dad almost immediately. Uh, and it's just like, you know, but and like we all knew that. Right. Like deep down, we all we all knew why that happened uh, and we all know why it's still happening. And instead of sort of like reacting to that information the way we should and realizing that we're slaves, basically the way Nick does. Uh, we have to construct these sort of elaborate fantasies where we are actually like crusaders for truth, uh, uncovering some some vast conspiracy that doesn't want to be found, right? And I, I think that there is, uh, I mean, you know, I can make process critiques and, and I don't think that this movie is, is a masterpiece by any um, 
stretch. And it, it almost sort of accidentally gets there. Um, but I, I think that that that's a pretty trenchant theme ultimately. Uh, and so this, that works for me about this movie. Can I get a, maybe this is a junk drawer thought. I don't know if Jason, you want to just, just, yeah, play it. And then we'll, we'll, you can, you can edit it out if it's not a junk drawer thought. What do you actually, I'm just seeing now that I, um, I removed the junk drawer thought, uh, sound effect to make room oh, for new Barry sound effects, but I'll edit it in after the fact. No more Time junk stamp. drawer. 2024. One bit no, down. No. This is the year of the reduced bits. No, it's not. We will go down to one bit, which is. I've added Cody's a bit to this episode, course. actually. If you noticed, I opened it with a new bit. So. Sorry. That's not a bit. That's just a thing you talked about. That's not. Hmm. Anyway, look, uh, I want to get a temperature check. JFK. Conspiracy theory. Uh, where, where do we where do we as a group? Do we think JFK, JFK you know. Conspiracy theory or do we think. No conspiracy theory. I don't. I've never <clears throat> talked about this with any of you. I don't think. Like, where do we land on gunman? Second gunman? Cuba? Mob? Where? What are we thinking? I don't. What are I we thinking? Know. Where are we going? I feel with like this? Harry has a take on this. I'm curious. I'm just curious where we we're talking about a fucking movie. It's based off. JFK I'm not at liberty to say. I want to know. I'm not at liberty to uh, say. You know, all all I'm gonna say, all I'm gonna say is listen to blowback blowback season two, baby. Blowback that season two. That? Oh yeah, you gotta that's, listen that's to it. That's about Cuba, right? That's it the, is. Okay, so you're you're a you're a Cuba. Fucking you follow the money, baby. That's the all I'm CIA, saying. The FBI. He was he was making peace with them. Okay. I don't actually know. Okay, <laughs> is the, right. is the answer. I just I was wondering if we saying, had takes. We don't have there, takes. There's some there's some Jason, strange edit stuff. this out. It's fine. Yeah, I mean, okay. did we did we cover the extent of all the options? So what you said, gunmen. Second gun. Uh, I mean, there's so Cuba many the conspiracy theories. There is, so like each of the, the comedian I, I from Watchmen maybe murdered one him. Shot I of think Malort. that was canonical. One shot of Malort. One shot uh, of a spice, Malort a spicy, ge- a spicy jelly bean. Hey, um, I'm feeling like mind. my head fucking exploded all over the fucking <laughs> car in Dallas. I'll tell you that much. Uh, I mean, yes, that is an aspect of this film that I guess we all of the weird little side stories correspond with an actual, you know, real life conspiracy theory about JFK, right? There's theories that like, he, you know, slept with an actress, uh, the mob got upset, Cuba, all of that. Hollywood. Um, yeah. A bunch I've of never, different conspiracy theories. I think that are 2024, right. 2024, maybe I get really into JFK conspiracy theories. Maybe I start becoming one of those guys. Wow. You know, they're really awful. fun to read about. I'll say that they are. Yes. Good Wikipedia. Was it, was it Oliver Stone hole. who did JFK? The movie? Yes. Yeah. Uh, that's TV actually TV mentioned TV. in one, one of the Parasphere blogs mentions like the, the failings of that movie and that it idolizes JFK. You know what I mean? In a, in a weird way where this movie it doesn't just kind of rape the memory of trashes him. Yeah. Yes. J- JFK certainly does not do that. Which like also that's maybe one point in favor of this movie is that like, hey, this yeah. is how you should make movies about every president. Uh, every every single president is a massive piece of shit. Because they're running, yeah. uh, one of the most evil empires in the history of mankind. What's what's the line about him? Like, do you know the number of times he had sex while in office yeah, or whatever? Like, and it's like one thousand seven, yeah, seventy nine yeah. or something. And he's like, he told me about every single time. And I did and the like, math, and I was like, he was assassinated. That's like more than once per day. Okay, nice job, dog. You know what I mean? That sounds like JFK. <laughs> yeah, it does. It does. That's all I got. Uh, cool. Uh, well, I will consider the junk drawer opened then as we're reaching an hour of recording time. Is there anything that anybody's got in the tank? Uh, I've got a couple, but I want to open the open the door, so to speak, to the rest of the folks. 
really, really quick. Uh, I knew I would like this movie as soon as they showed Jeff Bridges playing Claire de Lune on the piano. Um, I was like, all right, we're, oh, yeah. we're in it. We're in a, we're in a good place. First movie of first podcast movie of the year. Um, that's my lone junk drawer thought. Thank you for your lone junk drawer thought. Um, mine are that, uh, one, it's a Maurice Jarre joint. I uh, previously discussed episodes about um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia and Witness, prolific Hollywood composer from back in the day. Uh, I don't know if his best talents are on display in this movie, but it's a really fascinating deployment of top tier talent for a very weird movie. Uh, similarly with Vilmos Zsigmond, I did not know the name prior to actually an episode of Anthony Bourdain's, I think it was No Reservations, where he went to Hungary and sort of discovered this person's story and how like he was informed by the, his experiences during the war and occupation and trying to flee, etc., um, but, uh, award-winning, like Oscar-winning cinematographer of McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, The Deer Hunter, Deliverance, The Long Goodbye, and several others, like a very noted, very known cinematographer whose name I just learned, uh, and then saw in this fucking movie, which again, I'm not sure uh, the best deployment of his talents either, but it sounds like this movie's slapdash production probably didn't treat any like top tier talent incredibly well. Um, I love the, uh, the guy aboard the ship who's being asked to like transcribe a dying man's confession. And, <laughs> and, and the man is like, what, you know, your handwriting sucks. <laughs> and he says, I'm a high school graduate, but I've never been involved in anything like this. That was my backup That's quote. So Pretty fucking good. Fu- like the first time I realized this is like a very goofy, fun movie was when that guy lets loose that. Cause who says that? Um, there's a lot of other little funny one-off things that I think could make good drunk drawer thoughts, but, uh, I'll let people discover them as they watch the movie themselves. Uh, Harry got anything for the drawer? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's weird because you are right. This production did not treat any of its actors particularly well. Many, many people involved with this were never paid the way that they should have been. Uh, it turns out that when you circumvent unions, that tends to happen. Um, however, for some reason, a bunch of the like people on board with this were huge, huge fans, were really into the idea of it. Um, allegedly, and I, again, I don't know how much of this information is apoc- apocryphal, but the director convinced Jeff Bridges to star in this movie by buying a house on his block in Miami and then just like showing up at his door all the time and being like, Hey, I have this movie and I'm your new neighbor and like, check <laughs> he this shit out him into being in his movie. Appar- <laughs> apparently. Yeah. And, and like, so apparently like a Jeff Bridges was a huge fan, like really a passion project for him. John Houston was a big fan, um, which you can totally see, right? Like oh, these yeah. guys are, especially John Houston is clearly having the fucking time of his life making this movie, which is a huge, I always love when I can tell that actors are having a great time. Right. So like that's that's always cool. Um, And then uh, my last note is that um, apparently um, Elizabeth Taylor demanded that she be paid in advance. So she's one of the few actresses who was properly paid. She received one hundred thousand dollars for uh, her like what? day of shooting. She doesn't on, even have a this. line, does she? <laughs> no, she doesn't have any <laughs> line. She's not credited. She's literally queen. not credited in it. So yeah, queen shit, queen absolute shit. Yeah. like uh, legend material. Maybe going. Uh, you got. You love to see. Maybe it. in the contention for queen of the trial on just for that alone. That's an impactful move. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's like she's like oh i can i can tell this movie's a big grift you know what you can't grift a grifter <laughs> money please uh that i think i'll consider the junk drawer insert sound effect here at one i got one oh, more. do you no, I got sorry one more. the sound effect really is not quick. playing yet go for it thank you uh 
the Amazon copy of this film in SD standard definition uh, is dog shit. Do not watch it. Steal this movie off the internet. Watching this on Amazon is like watching like a movie on like a PSP or like a DS or something. But then you found a way to stream it to your television. Think, what it they, is what did they call those awful. discs that you UMD. watched? Uh, UMDs. That's yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> of course, Jason oh, knew that shit. Of course, they Jason did. has like a collection of those. What a yeah, time! Do you have one? Do you have one, Jason? Do you have one? They're all in the basement, but I got a few. Yeah. Oh. I have. Okay. I also have several. I believe I have the Transporter, the House of Flying Daggers, and a couple of other movies on UMD. So great, only classics. Yeah, uh, just nothing but bangers, baby. Anyway, yeah, st- steal this off the internet. Um, I don't think it's a particularly hey. good looking movie, regardless. But it no. is very bad looking um, on Amazon. It is on Tubi, and while there are two or three commercial breaks, uh, it's in I think at least 720p. I didn't notice any like weird artifacting or anything. It does not look that shitty. Uh, so check it out on Tubi again. If you if you want no ads and you have a library card with an eligible library, it is also on Canopy. Uh, Let's K-A-N-O-P-Y. go. N O P Y. No commercials. Ten free streams a month. Um, shout out to libraries. Hell yeah, man. Um, and Canopy. Twenty twenty four, the year of Canopy. Uh, twenty twenty three was the year of Tubi. It was you simply had Tubi. Uh, this year Canopy. Maybe they'll get a Super Bowl ad like Tubi did. That would be big for them. I think. Uh, they're not gonna. They're not gonna get that. Uh, well, thank y'all for um your junk drawer thoughts. I'll call it closed at one o three forty five ish. Sorry, don't listen to that. If you're listening to the show, it'll be produced and the timestamps will be different. But uh, per what Aaron just said, I think does everybody vote for removing good grief? Give me a gif as a bit this year. I didn't commit to it in the latter half Please. of last year. Um, but I really did like focusing on some. Sh- this movie is just like prime for just ignorable cinematography i think uh sorry phil most but it really didn't leverage you the best um if everybody's cool with that we can skip to our actual final bit i i propose um sorry to just jump in here uh i maybe we give it a final send-off here and then in future discussions we can interweave visuals more within like the other like elements of our discussion are we gonna do Um, that though cody well yeah. It'd be nice if we but set the standard for that because visuals, I don't know if you realize this, are very important. Let's embed Some would say film is a visual medium. I think, I think some people, a lot of people are saying that. Okay. Uh, so then we will actually, I, again, I removed all of my sound effects. Jeez. Uh, for the good grief, give me a gif. Uh, so tell me what you think should be uh, shown along with the episode tweet. Cody. Yeah. Um, oh, I got I got a, Pick good ones in this swan song uh, of a segment. And also, you really felt you had to put the sound clip of me talking about edgings uh, and and therefore dropping. Do you want me to the play sound- it or do you want to? Nope, wanna- not okay. at all. That was not an invitation. Uh, <laughs> so I have two. Uh, <laughs> I have two, two in consideration. And these, um, man, Scott, my man Zygmunt is, is taking a lot of slander this episode. Um, I, I think the cinematography sets this movie up well for communicating the bizarre, again, I'll use the phrase dream logic of a lot of these um, sort of set pieces. Uh, the first instance, uh, like right before the movie pulls the rug out from under you the first time uh, when uh, Keegan and Nick is, um, sitting is sitting in the car looking out the window and it's like a shot of uh, like his perspective looking at the woman and her daughter on a bicycle like she crops up one other time in the movie um but this is the first time he sees her and then it cuts back to him looking at her from the car and then it cuts back to her again 
she's approaching, she's closer up, she's looking at him and or the camera, and she blows that bubble. Obviously, it's a GIF, and so it wouldn't have the audio, but then the audio has that smattering of like sound effect editing of just like windows crash, like really quick, and it's very kind of disarming. Um, and then a few moments later, you realize kind of what, I, but I don't want the the after included in the sh- in my image. It's or the image of it in my head is shot of her back to Nick and then back to her again. And then again, that's just like the moment before the movie like sets off on its wild and, and twisty path. Um, so I, I like that one. And I also like the, there's one shot of Nick walking through the hospital to see his father. And he like goes down a few hallways and at the end of it, uh, it's just like a, an orderly or like a nurse doctor, or whatever, holding, uh, <laughs> yeah, <I'm> 16. <laughs> yeah, holding uh, a weapon that should not be in a hospital. Um, just a very funny punctuation mark for a, a, a shot that would otherwise be pretty throwaway. That really stood out to me. Later in that same scene, he opens the doors and immediately like inside of this hospital, there is like what is clearly like a, a Hilton level, like super deluxe suite, uh, like right behind the double doors where his dad is. Um, that's very similar to mine. Uh, a little bit later in that same scene, there's this part where John Houston wants to talk to his son, Nick and, um, his bed in the um, hospital has like this custom thing that lets him like, like uh, shoot upward. Like he's Vader in the chair. Uh, I thought that was really funny. So like there, there's this part where he's just slowly like rising up toward Nick. Um, that's a really good scene. Um, I love the scene when uh, John Houston's character is introduced where um, he is just riding with a caravan of uh other golf carts it's it's like perfect right it's like nobody's golfing but like they're they're like 20 golf carts that are just fucking rampaging over this golf course and that's what they mean by golfing uh and he's got all these uh like girls with him and everything that's where the quote that i opened the episode with comes from uh and there's a great shot of um nick in the foreground just sort of like watching his dad approach um and it, it really like characterizes their relationship well i like that one a lot um and then last but not least, like any use of the weapons in this movie is really funny. The little like fucking um, blackjack that Jeff Bridges uses that he was given by his dad that looks like a dildo that he hits uh, Anthony Perkins with. Um, when John Houston takes out his brass knuckles to give to his son and says, uh, make sure you bring them back. They have sentimental value. Um, when John Houston like reaches into a pot right behind him in his office and just pulls out a handgun that he gives to his son because he wants his son to be armed, all very very good bits. Uh, I love I love all of those moments. Uh, my one thought is the there's I think it's the first time that Nick meets John Cerruti and there, he's explaining like the mountains, piles of information, signatures, and signed documents from everywhere around. Universes the within universes, galaxies it's, within don't galaxies. Don't do the whole thing. I'm not going to do Sorry, the whole continue. thing. I promise you. But uh, there's a shot of like it lasts a long time where there's just like a rotating pylon in the middle of this gigantic circular. It looks like that one scene in Resident Evil Five where you're fighting against the big spider monster. It looks like that, just a shaft, like a with no bottom and no top of just wall lined walls of uh, like confidential documents, uh, and it's it holds that shot while the two characters Nick and John Cerruti walk across like uh, a, a corridor um, that sort of crosses the span. Uh, I think that's a, a nice neat shot. It's not very indicative just, of the tone of the movie, but yeah, 
all of the John Zerudi stuff is so funny because like the very first time he's introduced, he's just like in a room with just like a projection of the globe behind him. So he looks like fucking like Leonard Nimoy <laughs> introducing Cosmos or some shit. It's so funny. It's it's just like, oh, you know everything you need to know about this character because he's Anthony Perkins and he's in the fucking like danger room or like Cerebro or whatever. It's so like, wild. Right the moment, it's very good. His, uh, like in that scene, his final scene of the movie <laughs> where he reveals who Ilsa really is and, or sorry, Yvette really is uh, and then eventually like reveals again who she really, really is with Without any like change at all in this story, it's just between these two people. I God, I really do like this movie quite a lot. <laughs> Kidnappers, kidnapped, <laughs> bad guys, bad guys. Casper Junior. <laughs> so good. Uh, so that I think, sh- or no, Aaron, did you actually have anything for the wow. final final segment of um... <sighs> Jeff Bridges riding on a horse, just kind of you know going through the valley. That's it. Jeffy B on horse B. Uh, I will put that down as your selection for. Uh... Oh man, I get. I keep thinking of him. Uh, also, it's super funny when um, he's having sex with Yvette and uh, she's screaming so loud it's that so he good. Can continually smothers her with a pillow. Uh, that would be a really good visual for a GIF, I think. Hmm. I'll GIF. heard, heard, and understood. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that is going to be the end of. Good grief, give me a gift as a formal segment here. Uh, thank you. R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. Uh, thank you for encouraging us one last time. Good grief, give me a gift. Did I say Jif? I hate myself now. Uh, thank you so much for. No, Harry did. Okay. That's how like Jeff. Peace out. Yeah. Um, then we have a, an actual final segment uh, that Harry needs to help me ring in for the first time this year. Well, what about all the tribes we've loved before or whatever? Oh, I didn't. I didn't look it up. I'm sorry. Forgotten bits. 2024, no bits. Oh, except Cody's Except for this final bit. Yes. <gasps> is <gasps> Cody's noties. Jesus. Uh, just hmm. the thought of like, it, like in inhalation stutter steps, like eight different times. Like, <gasps> <gasps> um, but thank you, uh, as always, fellas, for that um, the very powerful introduction. Uh, in keeping with the uh, tradition from the past. I think three years, our first episode of this year will see us spending some time thinking about what some of our movie watching goals, or maybe more broadly, our media viewing intentions might be for this year. I'll go first, uh, and then we can kind of popcorn around, but in case y'all need time to, to kind of think through these things a little bit, um, starting with with sort of my classic uh, inclusions for this sort of thing, I want to try and make a point of keeping up with current year releases. Uh, this of, uh, sentiment, of course, extends to the Trilon calendar. Um, but last year, I found myself kind of on a whim uh, saddling up at the Twin Cities Film Fest, which takes place at the Showplace Icon Theater. want to make a point to get back there and also uh, get back to the MSP Film Fest at the main. Um, haven't been there for a while, and I was looking at the schedule from 2023. And I was like, wow, there are so many movies that were on my watch list for last year that I just could have seen in person at the main and I didn't. I felt really stupid. Um, so I want to make more of a point to, to hit those up this year. Physical media, um, an increasingly important thing. Um, I feel like we, we say that every year. Physical media is good, TBH. Um, uh, and I've got about eight, like eight or so discs just sitting on my shelf of movies that are on my watch list currently. So I want to make a point to knock those out. Uh, 
getting a little more specific. Uh, every year I try to find, or I, I find myself wanting to find like one or two kind of meatier, like, uh, I guess, longer sort of productions to, to chip away at. And, um, Paul, I'm sure I could pronounce this better than how I'm about to, but Christoph Kieslowski, um, his work Decalogue, uh, he did the three uh, colors trilogy as well. Um, if you need to like put a name and a face to, to work, but, um, Decalogue it's 10 hour long segments or stories. Don't know too much about it, but I've, I've only seen it heard really great things about it. So that is, uh, that's on my list. Um, uh, Aaron, did you have something about Decalogue or did you just, can I pitch you, uh, mm. do not watch Decalogue cause it will oh. probably play at the Gene Siskel film center next year for the settle in series. It played last year is not oh. playing this year. It's one of like eight films okay. that long, you know, right. they're replaying Satan tango. They're probably going to play LaFleur again, you know, Mm-hmm. Just make a trip to Chicago. Fellas yeah. trip? Fellas trip to sit in a theater and not talk hmm. for 14 hours straight. That sounds I right. 17, something like that for Decalogue. Yeah. Something it's very like long. Yeah. yeah. Just make yeah. it. Just make a okay, trip to so, Chicago. So, so okay, we'll table that. A, a soft, you know, for whether it's this year or maybe the next year um, remains to be seen. But Decalogue is on my mantle. Um, that's how that works, right? Something that you haven't conquered yet is sitting on mm-hmm. your mantle. Um, so that's... Yeah, so there's that. Uh, Hong Sang Soo. Uh, I feel like I've seen a lot of his movies, but also that dude cranks out like has rather has yeah, cranked a, out like a lot five of movies a year for 25 years. <laughs> I feel like I've seen a lot of his movies too, and I think I've seen like one percent of his filmography. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I feel like I saw somebody on Twitter share a drive with like a shitload of his movies. So my chip away at those, the nice thing about them is that I, I feel like a lot of them are <laughs> like 70 or 80 minutes. I could be completely misfiring there. Um, Cause he has made some like two hour long features. Uh, but in any case, um, might watch more of his stuff. Um, I, I, I don't think I saw anything from him last year. So I, I, his is a filmography. I want to chip away. And finally, um, want to get back to my TVQ. Didn't watch a lot of TV last year and my TVQ, only grows longer, um, leading off with, uh, I've, I've got a Crunchyroll subscription. Shout out to, to friend of the pod, Seth Zarate. Yeah. Um, get, maybe get through Dragon Ball Z, uh, the TV, uh, hopping off of Crunchyroll, the TV show Archer, one of my all time favorites that recently ended. I've got a few seasons to watch. I want to watch The Curse. I think Harry's been watching The Curse. I want to watch The Curse, um, in light of Michael Gambon's passing, I believe it is. Uh, his miniseries, The Singing Detective, is something that uh, I saw was popping up on Twitter a lot. So that's something I want to watch. I've got a, again, a whole fucking big list. Um, but that's a lot of shit. I, uh, that's a lot of shit I want to watch. Um, I'm just going to speak those into existence. And next we'll have popcorn, uh, Aaron, Aaron, um, speak into existence, some movie or whatever watching intentions for yourself. And Jason is giving me the producer. I'm sorry. No, I wanted to interject because you're actually going to be able to log those on Letterboxd, those series of yours. Did you see that? They're adding a TV series to Letterboxd. TV series. Haven't they always been on Letterboxd and everybody just, I think limited series like Bebop, uh, Neon sure. Genesis, sing, Singing Paranoia Detective, agent, think, probably, but not like the... Like Mad yeah. Men is not on there. Not yet. Correct. They're adding it. But it will. Mm-hmm. I don't think I like... I don't want to see a bunch of TV mm-hmm. show shit. Yeah, mixed we'll have, a, we'll have a bonus episode we'll about it. Yeah. Okay. We'll talk yeah, about bonus it. Bonus episode. Um, yeah, Aaron, take it away. <clears throat> Folks, uh, every year I make a ton of New Year's resolutions and I do zero of them. Uh, I also crown the year, uh, the year of, you know, something... Uh, this is 2024, the year of the hashtag big hashtag baller. 
and then in quotes, let your nuts hang. Uh, I got a lot of, of, (laughs) Harry's laughing at that. Harry, you can unmute and just laugh, you know, so it's it's not just me talking on the podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I have a lot of news resolutions. I'm going to do none of them. I actually have zero for watching movies. I put, so I, I use Google Keep, which allows you to write down notes. It allows you to do checkbox notes, and it allows you to do one indentation. Uh, so you can do like a header and oh, yeah. like you Love know, Google several Keep. under one uh, header. Um, I have watch is a header, and then I have a question mark is the only uh, you know leaf under that node. Um, in what fashion? So I don't actually does, have in what fashion does single, this mean letting your nuts hang, having a list with nothing on it? I don't. I'm well, I got I got a lot in here. there that are about letting my nuts hang, but this one is not. That. Four o'clock, let them hang. And then six o'clock, let them hang. That's right. Eight, eight o'clock, let them hang. I have, I have zero. Here's the thing, uh, folks. If you know me, I don't watch TV. Fuck what Cody said. There's no reason to watch television, folks. There's never been a reason to do that. It's not good. Now, movies, maybe. I just don't have any. I'm open to suggestions. What are the fucking? What should I do? You tell me. I'll, I'll put it into my fucking notes app. What am uh, I doing? Super Mario Bros. movie. Watch that. The new one. S- the old one. That's or the your. New one? That's your first pick, huh? The old the, one. The new one. Is not saying. Yeah, the new one. Okay, I'm gonna do old. I, lo- I love this. Okay. TV, what Brad, movies. Keep I don't going. fucking know. You tell me. I'm typing. Keep going, Harry. What have we got? Spit it out. Uh, I just got an email from Cody that said Cody okay. thinks you should watch Come Drink with Me. Oh yeah, that was um. So when it, 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 flashback to the beginning of the episode two and a half hours yeah. ago, Aaron was talking about. Uh, drinking, and I watched Come Drink With Me on movie the yes. other day, and I got an email from them this morning. It's Is like, it on? Hey, invite okay. your friends to watch Come Drink With Me. It's so on you can movie. Use that link to watch Come Drink With Me. Watch Come Drink With Me. Yeah. Can you send uh, that to me? Because I tried I did. to make Diana watch that like, did. a year ago, and it was not available to stream anywhere. It is well. I didn't have movie. Um, they are not paying us, uh, but they just added okay. a whole slate of uh, wuxia films. Come um, I believe. Drink so with come drink with me. me. Uh, it's from uh, King Who. Who has made a lot of great King who? movies that are? Uh, that's exactly right, Harry. Um, and I would recommend watching a lot of his movies. Okay, so so Cody yeah. has one, Jason has one, Harry. What about uh, Lee Chang Dong's filmography? Watch them all. Sounds dumb. Not going to do it. Okay, so I got Super Mario Brothers movie <laughs> and Come Drink with Me. Those are my resolutions. Awesome. Set realistic goals for yourself. Um, mine are going to be so I logged 158 movies or sorry entries, diary entries. Some of those were probably series and short films and stuff in uh, calendar year 2023. It was it wasn't much. Um, 122 of those were from region a countries, I think, based on what Google told me, uh, that's a majority anyway, a vast majority of them from region a, uh, my resolution for 2024 is to leverage a gift that Cody got all of us on the podcast, a region free Blu-ray player. Um, and I would like to leverage, I own one already. I bought another recently. I just re- ordered uh Tokyo decadence so the recommendation of Blake Hester so that I can watch it in better than the like 360 P or whatever that internet archive has it on. Um, Hey, you should have me over, and we should have an incredibly awkward. It would be uh, so f- party watch. Of uh, Isn't three sixty p the best? You cover all the degrees. Yeah, yeah. Right? I'm seeing every that's, angle of it. Okay. Every angle of right. I would describe things that happened in this movie, but I won't do that. Uh, so I have at least a few. I would like to make a resolution of ten region B discs, not just like movies that play in region B or whatever. Um, ideally, movies that I cannot get region A or region free versions of. Uh, but that number I'm finding is shrinking. Even like arrow and terracotta and stuff the places that i look for region b stuff even they have like region a options and that feels like a little bit of a cop-out if i'm going to use my region b player excuse me region free player it should be for region 
discs that I can't play on my regular Blu-ray and 4K players. So that's one of my resolutions is 10 of those 10 discs this year. I've already got two or three lined up. So I think I'm making good progress. Um, I want to record at least one episode of Puff of Movie Pass. It's not the bit, it's not the, not the most listened to episodes uh, of our show, but I really did like doing them. And in conjunction with that, I want to drain my movie pass points more often because I think I've hit like below the threshold for one tickets, uh, like point value. I think I hit that like once this last year. Uh, Otherwise I was letting a lot of points roll over because I wasn't going to see as many movies. I would like to actually start leveraging that more. The main accepts it and they play a lot of different stuff. There's a, a, a whole world to me that I'm just, that I kind of ignored in 2023 that I do want to leverage this year. Um, and as a completely supplementary one, I did not get very far in my Columbo watch. I was planning to watch the whole series that in 2023, I did get through a whole season and an episode. I just watched Etude in Black, the one with John Cassavetes. Fantastic episode. Um, I'm really enjoying my, the pace at which I'm watching it though. And I don't know if I want to speed it up just to get through the goal. That is an an- secondary or ancillary goal is to keep watching Columbo. If I can get through another season, I'll con- consider that a, a, win for that goal um i think that's i think that's my rec- resolutions for 2024 uh does that is that everybody no nope, i was I gonna say mine, i didn't remember hearing yours um let's see uh i liked i liked yours quite a bit jason about the region player i also have a region player so i would like to do that um i'm gonna try to track down some lee chang dong movies um and and get those because i like that filmographer or that filmmaker quite a lot um let's see uh we talked about this a little bit off pod we're, we're changing up our schedule a little bit so that we can go see movies at the trilon more frequently because um just the way that we had been recording meant that sometimes we um weren't able to see movies at the trilon before we recorded on them and then obviously um having already just watched them and recorded on them i often didn't want to go see them at the trilon when they were actually available um this year i would like to see um, I don't know if this is actually going to be possible, but I would love to try to see at least every single movie that we record on at the Trilon because I think that's a much better experience than watching it at home is um, and much more sort of demonstrative of uh, what we do with this podcast. Um, I'd like to go see more movies at the Trilon in general. I say that every year and often fail because things come up, but I think one of the other concrete things I'm going to do with that is – um, make a concerted effort to go to more movies I haven't heard of, or maybe wouldn't have otherwise gone to just because, um, I, I always want to expand my palette for movie watching. Um, that's how you get some of the, the gems that you would not have otherwise experienced. Right. Um, so, uh, I'm hoping to, to sort of watch a lot of movies that I wouldn't have otherwise maybe made time to see this year, um, both at the Trilon and at home. And I, I guess I watched, um, let's see, 216 movies in 2022. That's not bad. Um, or 2022, 2023. Okay, that's what I was meant to look at. It, it was fewer because I played more video games. Um, Baldur's Gate came out this year. Um, I watched 175 this year um, for an average of 3.4 per week. Again, not terrible for me. I would like to get those numbers up. Those are, uh, rookie numbers in this racket, especially relative to Cody. Um, so maybe, uh, try to do four per week. I would love to do four movies a week. That would be, that would be pretty mad cool respect for me. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do that. So maybe not, don't give me that respect hey, yet, but we'll see. It's, I respect you for setting the goal. Um, and you do make me think seeing stuff that you wouldn't normally have rather seen and otherwise seen and combining that with seeing more things at the trial line. There's a whole like middle of the week programming schedule that I just kind of like 
gloss over completely in my brain at the trial on there's tape freak stuff there's sound on scene trash film debauchery cult film collective on 16 there's a lot of stuff going on this spring and throughout the year uh that hey you should check out a trialon.org if you haven't already go to tape freaks you guys should go to tape freaks you know more. i i know somebody who goes to tape freaks not completely regularly but has gone more often than i have and i am like I, I don't know. They, it they seems cool. It seems like a fun one-off thing. Yeah, if I, if I found myself that, with a free yeah. Wednesday, um, and if you, listener, find yourself with a free Wednesday, uh, download another episode of Trilove. But then after that, check out Trilon at Trilon.org and at Trilon Cinema. Um, is that everybody's uh, freaking resolutions for this year? Would you mind sending me those by uh, Discord or whatever so that I can sort of like put them somewhere? Because I almost forgot mine for this year, and I think I forgot everybody else's for this year like to be able to hold ourselves a little bit more accountable at the end of the year, as I'm sure everybody wants me to do. Uh, so thank you very much, Cody, for keeping us honest about our resolutions. Uh, and uh, we'll be tracking them as we go. Maybe once a month, I'll remember to check in. I don't know. Uh, but for right now, you should check out uh, the rest of our catalog at uh, Trial of Podcast and at your favorite podcast feed. Um, check the podcast out at Trial of Podcast. Check the Trial on out at Trial on Cinema. Check them out at trialon.org. That's where you can get tickets and all this other cool stuff for the calendar coming up this year. A lot of great series. Um, yeah, check, catch us there. Get in touch with us at uh, Trial of Podcast and at trialofpodcast at gmail.com. Um, I hope to welcome a bunch of new guests this year. Didn't make it a resolution because I know that it's a group effort and I can't count on uh, like everybody's availability and stuff. But I do want to add more guests to the slate this year. Get in touch with us if you want to be on an episode. Uh, we'll see what we can do. Um, but for right now, you can check me out at Trial. My God. I'm about to head to the spam museum for the first time in my life. And I'm a little bit too excited about it. So there's a whole, wait, really? Yeah. I'm uh, sky. What the sky, fuck are we podcasting right, for? Yeah. I mean, what we, the we fuck? Gotta, we, I got to be done in the next few minutes. Uh, so anyway, find yeah. me on Twitter. You're Nintendo. going to the spam museum at nine 30 in the morning. It takes like two hours to get to Austin, Minnesota for me. Do they have spam yeah, breakfast sandwiches? If they do, I'm eating the fuck out of one. Oh, but uh, also, shit, also the cafeteria, there's got to go crazy. I wonder, I wonder. Uh, but I will report back. You can find uh, exploits of my travels at the Spam Museum on Twitter at Nintendoofus. Thank you so much. I logged 544 films in Jesus 2023. Number, f- number air guitar solo. Uh, number 500 was particularly special because it was Junkhead. I've been Cody Narvison. You can find me on Twitter at Cody underscore BH and Blue Sky at Cody Narvison. I'm never going to get there. There are too many video games to play, unfortunately. It's not like I don't have a life or anything. It's not anything like that. I'm just <laughs> doing video games and stuff instead. Um, but that is amazing, Cody. Congratulations uh, once again. Also, uh, worth noting, while I'm talking about my email inbox, literally while I was talking about my resolution, Cody sent me um, an email about Lee Chang Dong movies that I can go pick up. So thank you very much for that, Cody. Uh, fantastic. Check those movies out. I'm going to. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Punish Take. My name is Aaron. You can find me walking to the Walgreens uh, after this podcast recording. I'm going to buy a blue Gatorade and then liquid IV. If you put the liquid IV in the blue Gatorade, 30 minutes, you're good. You're good. This is definitely the year of the big baller let your nuts hang vibes from you. Yep. I, I will promise to do better on the next podcast. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Don't want to yeah, look. Can't can't kill them all. This is the contract, Silo Nick. Contracts, contracts, contracts. Agreements kept. Agreements broken. Papers, papers, papers. Signatures. Your father's holograph signature on his interlocking companies going back. Oh, 
30 years. Also those of diplomats, authors, and inventors. Tax deals, foundation deals, signatures of presidents and sheiks, signatures to men put away for, oh, decades, destroy careers, public lives, marriages, states, love affairs, letters of passion, indiscretion, and conspiracy acquired by your father's intelligence network. Letters to persuade a man to close a deal or leave a job or sell out on his brother. Data necessary to sustain a financial empire. And here, here are the spoken words. Shh. Voices and sounds and visuals. Pictures on microfilm. Movies. Video. Marvelous little gadgets that document verbatim all your father's conversations with all his people. And his people's conversations with others. From our satellite, we can watch everything. Nasty little wars in Africa. Troop movements. Ship movements. Nuclear tests. The Sinai. The Panama Canal. Every little thing to check an investment, buy us in or out. Even tonight, while most of our workers sleep, it goes on. Take a coffee break, gentlemen. I have a rare visitor and we'd like to be alone. Information. Black holes of information. Galaxies within galaxies. Multiple expanding universes of information. Aren't you glad you came? You remember your debts. Damn it! Why do you think I got to this job? Review the fleet! Their computers hold information about millions of people, and his which can make fortunes or destroy lives. From our satellite, we can watch everything. Nasty little wars in Africa, troop movements, ship movements, nuclear tests, the Sinai, the Panama Canal, every little thing to check an investment. Nothing competes today with owning a hospital. No customer credit, pay in advance, or get out. Unique product, pay. Laundry alone throws off enough to pay the orderlies in the lab. Hey, Nick. Like a little? Well, I got a contract for you. One of the biggest contracts ever handed out. Anyway. Someone is trying to teach me a lesson in futility. Why am I the only one who isn't killed? They will run you dizzy. They will pile falsehood on top of falsehood until you can't tell a lie from the truth and you won't even want to. That's how the powerful keep their power. Don't you read the papers? What the hell? He was caught trying to enter, Mr. Keegan. That's my son. They're calling the police. You beg him to die? I'm standing between you and darkest night, son. From Richard Condon's rousing bestseller, hailed by the New York Times for its shocking surprises and grand entertainment, Winter Kills, the epic spectacle of an American dynasty. Take my hand! Stupid! You want to go with me? Take my hand, Pop! I am, Cody. Thank you.